Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Today we're speaking with Tonya Fairley, who left the corporate world to follow her passion of becoming a hairstylist and ended up founding four six-figure hair and beauty businesses. Tanya's story is truly remarkable and inspiring, with great advice on building resilience and navigating life as an entrepreneur. We do have a trigger warning for this episode, however, as Tanya's story mentions childhood trauma. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Tanya. How are you today? Hello. I am doing well. Thank you so much. How are you? We are so good. And you are calling in from one of my favorite areas of the world. I am so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell everybody yes, where California. you're at? California. Yes. yes, I'm in California. <laughs> She's in SoCal. I'm actually in a, yes, in a, in an outskirts of Los Angeles called Rancho Cucamonga, California is where <laughs> I live now. I am originally from Pasadena, California, mm. which is 12 miles north of Los Angeles, California. Pasadena. You know, both places Mm -hmm. that you have lived are incredible. Pasadena is so incredible. (laughs) Yes. Oh, so good. And I'm so jealous of the Mexican food that you have access to right now as well. Same. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) You cannot get a good taco here in Australia to save your life, let me tell you. Um, I can only imagine. (laughs) Oh, it's bad. It's it's a desperate situation. Um, So anyway. You have an incredible legacy that you have created. So I just tell us everything. Tell you tell us how you became the woman you are, how you built your businesses. Tell us go. <laughs> go, go, go. Well, um, so I um am a you know, entrepreneur, I'm a mom, a wife, mm. and I have definitely had my share of um I would say business startups, like, you know, starting when you're young and you're like, oh, I want to learn how to do taxes or I want to learn how to do yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I found myself in the first, my first year, um, right before I graduated high school, knowing that I wanted to do hair and I also wanted to help people, mm. but I didn't know how those two were going to kind of work together. So I, um, I started out as I was a manager of McDonald's. I went to Hamburg University in Chicago, Illinois, mm. and I did that for a long period of time and then transferred over to corporate America where I was a um, auto supervisor, uh, content creator, educator. And even during that time, it was just not fulfilling. So mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to do hair. I knew I wanted to do hair ever since I was in the ninth grade. Um, but part of my story is I was raised in a foster home. Yeah. And for those who don't don't understand what what that kind of means is basically is you kind of got to go where you're going to get paid. That's what you start thinking about when you're in the in the in a foster home. Like yeah. I got to have a career. Yeah. You know, and and back when I grew up, doing hair was not considered a career per se. Yeah. So definitely had to um pivot and do some things that that would kind of get me jump started. And so I did. I worked in co- corporate America for 16 years, but I also did hair on the side. Mm. 
Okay. And when I say did hair on the side, I mean, even my senior year in high school, I pretty much cut everyone's hair for our senior pictures. <laughs> oh, that is so sweet, though. So, that is amazing. So that was my, yeah, that was my, like, I knew I wanted to do hair, but just didn't know how that was going to translate. Right. Um, but then life happened, right? I um, got married, had a kid. I was still working in corporate America, still doing hair on the side. Mm. But then there came a point where I said, I told my, my it, at the time was my second husband, enough was enough. I, I wanted to, um, I wanted to do hair full time. Mm -hmm. Um, and how do you do that? How do you say you want to do something full time when you worked in corporate America for 16 years and Mm -hmm. you're at the top of the pay scale and you're looking at walking away? Yeah. Um, it's, it's scary, right? Yeah. So that can be so scary. Was there any part of you that didn't want to do it for that reason? There was a big part of me that didn't want to do it because of the financial um, stability that having a job per se kind of created. Yeah. But it also um, was a big push that showed me how I was, um, what's the word, how I was dependent on something that wasn't making me happy. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder, like, you know, when you say part of what affected you growing up and choosing your career and everything was being raised in a foster home. It's, you know, I wonder if that's like, you're like, well, I'm going to have the stability. I'm going to like, I know as a single mom, I was a single mom for a long time. And I know like I was craving stability, which is a lot of why I stayed in a corporate job at times, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's just like that underpinning of like, well, this corporate job gives me this stability and this foundation. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm defying statistics. That is so true. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true because even growing up in a foster home, like I didn't have the role models that like my friends would have. Like I, I, granted, I was a, in, in high school, I was a kid that I was a sportster. I was Mm -hmm. a, um, you know, I read, I did math, but I had so much built up anger in me in this foster home because I was put in a foster home that I just didn't want have to depend on anyone. And I, and I tell this when I'm speaking, I, um, I speak to women who have, um, unavailable, unattached fathers. It's, it's the fatherless daughters network. And one of the things I say to them is how we do love is how we do money. And so since I had no, uh, attachment to love, then trying to navigate life with a job was about money. It was about, okay, I got to have a paycheck. I can't depend on anyone. It's important for me to be able to to make my own way because nobody's ever in life going to be there for me. Yeah. And that's kind of the mentality mentality that you adapt to when you're raised in a foster home, yeah. right? Because you don't you don't have the the support system that a as they say, quote unquote, normal family or upbringing would would afford you. Mm-hmm. Right. So those are the kind of things that um, you just kind of you think about those things. And I'm thinking about those things in the 10th and 11th grade. Like, OK, yeah. when I turn 17 or 18, how am I going to how am I going to make it? Who's going to be there for me? Right. You know? And so having a job um, is definitely was definitely. What is the word? It was in the forefront of my like 
I have to have a job. I got to be able to take care of me. Yeah. It was grounding for you. Yeah. 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 I totally understand. So when you made the decision to leave, did you say, did you do that over a period of months? Did you save money to like prepare yourself for the move and make yourself financially stable or how long was that? How did you like mentally, emotionally and financially in corporate America? It was really difficult. Well, the first the first thing I found out after we after I after I put it out there to my husband, like he was very he was very much on board of making sure that I could that we could do it and not be eating re- beans and rice for the rest of our lives, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have kids so at this point, that. right? Or no? Are so you at, a mom? Yes, yet? at this point. Yes, at this point I am a mom. Okay. I have um so when I left corporate America, I had a 18-year-old, a 15-year-old, and I was actually pregnant. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. And so, and I was was $4,000 away from making um, six figures. So with that being said, um, it was a tough, it was a very, very, very tough, you know, transition. But my husband said... um, Okay, since this is what you want to do, because I got up one day, I I can remember like it was yesterday. I woke up one day and I said to him, I hate my job. Mm. I hate my job. Mm. And he looked at me and he was like, wait, okay, can't have you hating your job. Like I said, I hate my job. I want to do hair full time and whatever we need to do, that's what I want to do. And it took him a minute to kind of digest that. And then he was like, okay, let's take a look at this and let's see what we have to do. And so we put a plan in place where we first, um, we sold our home. Mm, we, wow. we, we bought his, we bought his childhood home cause it was a little bit more, um, affordable. Yep. Um, and then I, uh, let's see, we sold the home, we, we moved and then I went back to school full time to finish up my licensing to become um, uh, a a stylist. Mm-hmm. And what? How old were you when you did this? So you've you're you are a mom of two almost fully grown children with another on the way. Yes. And yep. <laughs> so so what was this? In I your... was thirty eight. Oh my goodness! I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Yep. Okay. So I then was what 38. happened? Yeah. And so then. He, so we, I went to school full time, finished school up in about eight months. Mm. And then I started on that journey of finding a space and a place that would suit me. So I no longer wanted to fit into something. I needed it to fit me. Um, and with that being said, I found a salon where I would be able to learn multiple techniques and multiple, um, you know, ways to not just do hair, but to make this a career. Mm-mm. Yeah. And so, um, I did, I landed in my first internship in a salon that was multicultural it was actually run by a Chinese lady. That is a, a great mentor to me today. And Beautiful. then after, yeah. And then after that, the first year, like the first, no, the first three months, like my paycheck was like, Oh my God, like 
$700. Yeah. It went to $1,000. And then I remember, I remember my husband saying, Oh my God, we're going to be eating beans and rice for the rest, <laughs> rest of our life. Well, luckily, you're in a place really close to Mexico. So you've got some really delicious beans and rice. <laughs> oh, of course, right? And, and, It'll be and plus, he's a great stuff. cook. Yeah. Well, and plus, he's a great cook. So there I never go. worried about going hungry. <laughs> there you go. We can spice up this beans and rice. We're going to be a okay. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so then after, so after that, like after I, I would say about seven months of me just getting out there, hitting the pavement, working really hard, um, I saw the fruits of my labor starting to manifest. Yeah. And by the time I was in um, a year in being full-time stylist, I was at six figures. Wow. Oh my goodness. And <gasps> yes. And then taking that same uh, motivation and building on that, I became an educator. And then after becoming an educator, I, I started to train um, other stylists on how to build their businesses, which led to me, um, which led to me um, moving to um, opening up my uh, coaching business. Okay. And that's Root Success so, Coaching. It's Root Success Coaching. Um, it was a TS Fairly Leadership and Personal Development, but we changed that name. Um, but I went through and found uh, the John Maxwell uh, team. And um, I kid you not, was one of the best turning points, not just in my life or for what I had gone through, uh, but also for uh, my family mm-hmm. and for my businesses. Um, because it allowed me some structure and giving me some formal training on leadership mm-hmm. because I just knew that that's what I it kind of knew that like that's where it, it was going to be my journey was it wasn't just about hair yeah. it was about right. um, training and um, uh, developing other people while I'm still training and developing myself yeah mm-hmm. um, and remember I was raised in a foster home so there's that whole background of not getting that additional support while doing these things so my husband had been that person of pushing me and saying, you know, you got to do what you got to do for yourself. Yeah. And that was like, I, I kept remembering that, like, at the end of the day, I got to do what I have to do for myself, mm, you know? Right. Yeah. When you started your business, yeah. did you ever imagine that you would grow it to the level that you have done and in such a short space of time as well? I had no clue. Like, honestly, <laughs> when I when I started doing hair, like I knew I wanted to own my own salon and I knew I wanted to train, but I didn't know how they were going to go like hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And so when I started in the first salon, I, I told the owner, Kathy, that um, that that's what I wanted. And everything that I did from after the first year was basically getting me ready to open my own salon. Mm-hmm. And after I opened my first salon, um, about a year later, I went on a journey to Paraguay and in Paraguay, we went on a, it was a, a training mission and it was basically to teach other business owners about leadership. Yeah. And it was there that I realized that I was on the right path, that I, that, that I, if I just stay focused, I can continue to build. I didn't know what I was going to keep building, but I just knew that. <laughs> that I was going to be able to continue to build. And then I looked, I looked up, it was time for my second salon. I had coaching clients in um, Paraguay, in Australia, in South Africa. And so both of these facets of my business had started building itself organically. 
Yeah. And then, um, and then fast forward to, and then, and then in between there, I wrote, I co-authored a couple of books. Um, oh my gosh, you actually did it three. All. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, co-authored, you know, three books, and and just watch my children grow up and blossom, and just having, you know, it, it's it's that thing where yes, being in the foster home was the underlined catalyst for pushing me to continue to to do well or do better every day. Every day I wanted to be better than I was yesterday. Um, but it also just kind of kept me in line of knowing that I will always have to work hard because, you know, I, I kind of have this, this thing where it's like, you, you can't get so comfortable where you're depending on other people mm-hmm. that you're not constantly building. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so here we are 2020 and then COVID hits and you're like, what? in the world is going on, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just been, it's been an, an amazing journey um, that I can definitely um, say that <laughs> I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot, even building, even my building, my three, my first three six figure businesses. One of them was being built during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I just would love to know. I mean, it sounds like obviously you were you said that you were quite like had a lot of anger when you were younger and um you you really channeled that into like you know wanting to then grow your own business if you could tell your childhood mm-hmm. self some advice and go back to that point in your life and what would what would you tell yourself if i could tell myself my childhood self anything it would be don't be afraid to fail forward. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Because, you know, think about failing as a kid. When you when you feel like a failure, everything is over. You, you beat yourself up. You go into this deep depression. Yeah. But to me, I took every failure as an opportunity to grow. Yeah. But no one told me to do that. Right. It was like yesterday, whatever I did wrong yesterday, if I was going to repeat it, I just learned to repeat it a little differently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's there's incredible resilience within you. I mean, it's just it, it's kind of radiating as you tell your story. And mm-hmm. it's this positivity and this resilience. Yeah. And it's just I can just tell you're such a wise woman. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that has in part to do with having that struggle as a a teenager and as a child you know if it's just that's created these like you've created your own roots like you've created your family Mm -hmm. your businesses and just become a beacon for other women so I wonder what the connection is there and and how it's all have you reflected on this so the reason my company is now called root success coaching is Mm -hmm. because of that reason is because I had to get to the root cause of what was driving me. I had to get to the root of why I was a workaholic. And, you know, there's certain things that you look at like, okay, why am I doing this? Why why am I doing that? So the answer to your question is yes. It definitely set a uh, precedent for me to say, never give up. And no matter how bad things seem, it could be worse. And so because of that, it just kept me going, kept me reading, kept me digging for information, research. 
Um, I did learn, it, it took me later in life to learn how to ask for help mm. um, because, <laughs> because feel, yeah. that was one of the, yeah, it was yeah. one of the, right. It's one of those struggles, right? Like it's like, I'm going to learn how to do this on my own. Mm. I don't need anybody. And that's such a farce. Like it, it's, I, I can say that's like the most ridiculous thinking ever, but you don't realize that when you're, when you're going through it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I but was, I, uh, but I, be- I do realize that. Yeah. Like I, I, f- this is when you say that it's I feel it in my soul. <laughs> it's just I think mm-hmm. so many women do like I became a single mom at 27 and I was a single mom for many, many years. And it's it's like that same. It's not the same as being a foster kid. It's definitely a completely different experience, but it's an experience which you feel like you don't have anyone to to depend on, mm-hmm. you know, and that can you can take that and you can kind of drive yourself to the point of exhaustion. And then once you get there and hit kind of rock bottom with your Mm -hmm. work and everything and just giving all the time, like giving 110% at work and at home and whatever, Mm -hmm. then it's like it creates this moment of rock bottom where you rebuild meaning in your life and you rebuild the structure of Mm -hmm. your life. And then um, you truly have something, wisdom that other people don't have. You know, and, you know, people don't realize that emotional rock bottom is so hard to come over. Like when you Mm -hmm. get to a place where emotionally you're just like completely drained, but you still have to keep going because you've been everything to everybody. Yes. You got to figure out how to pour back into yourself. And and the way I pour back into myself is not going to be the way someone else pours back into themselves. Right. Right. And so what people see on the outside is, oh, my God, you're always working. You're always going. You're always busy. You're always but what they don't realize is that when everybody is sleeping at two, three o'clock in the morning is my prayer time, is yeah. my time looking for um, uh, like a, a podcast or something that's feeding into my emotional spirit mm-hmm. because yeah. I do have to keep going and I do have to not get so um, stuck on I have to do everything um, myself. But the reality of it is, is that as a parent, as a mom, being there as a single mom, um, you can't, um, you got to keep depending on yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's not, it's not the only person you have to depend on. And so I learned that in a, being in a foster home is like, yes, I did have to keep, I did have to depend on me. I did have to learn to motivate me. But as I got older, I was no longer the only one that could give me motivation. Like there was other I had other avenues and other, but I had to, I basically had to look in the mirror, tear myself down and build myself back up to understand that. And some people aren't willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the fatherless daughters, um, heal program that you have or that you run? Yes. Yeah. So, um, fatherless daughters is a, uh, organization started by a really good friend of mine, Angela Parr Patterson in Carolina. And basically what we do is every year we put on these workshops for women of unavailable, unattached or absent fathers. Yeah. And I created a program within that um, to basically help women get past being the victim, Mm. but understanding why they are still in victim mode. And the only way that they're able to do that is by healing and heal is an acronym for humbling yourself, um, experiencing life, accepting where you are and learning to love. Wow. That's beautiful. And so once I, 
once I embraced where I wanted to go with that, it just opened up. So there were so many women coming to me that were, I mean, they were CEOs, CFOs, they started their own businesses and they couldn't understand why as, as on the outside, they had it all together, but on the inside, they just still felt empty. And it was because they haven't taken the time to really heal. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was where that came from. Gosh, what does it feel like to do this work? I mean, it's got to be incredibly healing for you, yourself as well, like to be able to give that to other women. It is. It's still, every time I do these, it's definitely healing for me because I always learn something else about someone else. And sometimes it does trigger um, a um, emotional healing for me. Yeah. You know, um, one time I was giving a a, um, talk and one of the one of the attendees was a 16 year old girl. Yeah. And I got a chance to see myself in her eyes at 16. Yeah. Something that I hadn't been able to do because I was so concentrating on women and adults and, you know, where we are, and where we're trying to go. Right. And it was like, well, what about what about that child who hasn't crossed over to adulthood yet? Yes. And then I was like, whoa. So. Yes, that work is very, um, it's very rewarding. It's very, very healing. Um, and it's constant. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. I, I, I'm still active behind the chair. And so I get a lot of clients who just in general, just having clients that I'm talking to or whatever. And guess what? We start talking about something. It leads to, um, basically having a one-on-one session. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Of them, you know, and us going over the healing process. Yeah. So, right. Yes. That, that work is very, very important. And it's, and it's still daily. It, it doesn't stop because I'm not doing a workshop. So it seems to me, Tanya, to be honest with you, that you decided to quit corporate life. And because of that, you not only became a business owner, but you became like a healer, a life coach, a beacon Mm -hmm. in all of these ways Mm -hmm. to so many women. I mean, it's just, I can't imagine a better result, (laughs) you know, for quitting your job at 38. I mean, it's just, that's incredible. (laughs) The six figures aside, like that's success to me. Yeah. How How fulfilled you are. Yeah. It's amazing. So what, you know, how, it's, how old it's are your kids oh. now? I'm sorry. Like what happened to this little no, baby no, no. you were pregnant with? Yeah. So Tuesday, my oldest one turned 30. Oh my oh, goodness. Jesus. November the 10th. Yes. Tuesday, November the 10th, she turned 30. My middle one is now 27. Uh-huh. And my little guy on the 24th of November will be 12. Okay. Aww. What a beautiful thing too for them to have a mom like this. I mean... Yeah. That's yes. incredible. I mean, they've got to feel very yes. empowered and, and like they can do anything as well. And, you know, they push me, they motivate me, they mm. keep me. My middle daughter, she's in New York. Um, she works for an advertising agency and she started her own um, boutique agency. My oldest one is um, going to school full time to finish her RN. Mm. And so it's it's amazing to watch me through them, like their perseverance and their minds made up on what they want and what yeah. they're going to do. And they're doing it. They're doing it on their own terms. They don't have any children. They both got pups now. So I have a grandpa. I'm a grandpup mom. There you go. <laughs> there you go. 
And, and then, you know, and then my husband and my son, you know, my husband is just very hands on with, with, you know, my son and he's an athlete, every sport he picks up, he thinks he's the best at, which, you know, was a great amount of confidence that <laughs> I wish I had at his age. <laughs> Mine too. Um, my son's just like that too. He's like, oh, I'm going to dominate yeah. this mom. I'm like, oh God, why did, why wasn't I like that? I, <laughs> I, the same way. Like before I started a sport, like I had to watch all the videos. I had to make sure that I could handle it. And if mentally I couldn't wrap my head around it, I wasn't even going to attempt it. Oh, so I stuck same. with the basics. I stuck with basketball and track, like oh. everything else. Well, that's more confidence than I had. I tried out for the volleyball team once and I didn't make it. I never tried out for anything again. My my 14-year-old son, he's convinced he's going to be LeBron James. Like, he's like, I'm going to be the next LeBron James. I'm like, okay, honey. Like you keep See, keep going for that it. Confidence. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that level of confidence was just like, oh man, you know, but yeah. but then too think about like they our kids will never go through the struggles that we went through. Right. Right? Yeah. So they don't have that sense of insecurities that like especially my children. They've never they have no idea what it means to be hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I when they first heard my story of me being, you know, I was homeless. Um, we lived in a car. We got placed in a foster home. I was molested. I was physically abused. So wow. when they finally got a chance to grasp what that meant yeah. and then put that in conjunction to who I am today, it was like, wow, mom, you know, and I didn't, I didn't, I tell people this all the time. I don't tell my story to impress anyone. Right. I tell it to impress upon them that you can be anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. You have to first stop making excuses. You have to understand why you are where you are, mm-hmm. and then you have to have a plan of action to move. Yeah. And after that, no matter what, whether you're, you know, you're a person that likes to get a paycheck, that's fine. How are you going to get to the top of that pay scale? Mm-hmm. If yeah. you're an entrepreneur, you want to build a business, how is your business going to be the best and stand out? Right. And so those are the, you know, those are the things that bring me the most joy is being able to give and help, um, help others. Which is, again, goes back to why Root Success Coaching exists today, because, you know, I I coach not only the father of his daughters, but stylists, business owners who people who want to get started in business, become an entrepreneur, because there's a mindset shift that has to happen when you're an entrepreneur. Right, ladies? Like you understand that. Like you, you can't just wake up and go, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. No, your mind has to be ready. Right. You know, you have to go, you know, you have to be ready for days of not having any clients, no contacts, no income coming in mm-hmm. and still keep going every single day, you yeah. know, yeah. every day. Wow. And just like with the pandemic, when the pandemic hit, you know, I was like, I, um, my first salon, I just, I made the decision early on to, to kind of shift that. So I, I ended up selling it. Yeah. But then I was like, okay, I'm selling this, but there's something else I got to do. So what do I do during the middle of a pandemic? I start another business. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, Jesus. But I opened up a beauty supply, which turns out to, for every month, we've we've incre- increased profits by 33%. Wow. Um, it's it's gaining traction. And if we keep going at the pace we're going, then we'll, you know, we'll just continue. It'll be another one of those businesses that I can say, was a success. Yeah. Um, is, is that a B2B beauty supply or um, like to consumers? To consumers. Themselves? It's to consumers. Yep. Okay. It's a direct, it's a, a brick and mortar. Consumer. Yep. Direct to consumer. 
Um, I do have a um, online, uh, so I have a direct to consumer, and then I also have um, my online, um, my own product line. So we started our own product line. As a matter of fact, today is the one year anniversary um, of the launch of Strands Unlimited, wow. and it wow. is a, it's the first, the first section of it is. Um, Hydro curls. I'm sorry. The first launch was hydro curls, mm-hmm. and it's a line um, contributed to people with with curly hair. Yeah. So it doesn't matter your ethnicity if you have curly hair and your hair needs moisture. We got something for you. But I I saw the need. The city that I'm in, um, there's only two beauty supplies there, and when the pandemic hit, people were still looking for stuff. You would go into Rite Aid and Target, mm-hmm. and either they were out or there wasn't enough there for for everyone. And so it was like, okay, then how do I fulfill this need without, you know, again, in the middle of a pandemic and going bankrupt. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, you do your research and you, you figure it out. And, and yeah. this one is right next door to our other salon. So it's an anchor to um, one of our beauty salons. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I sell my books out of there. I've, wow. I've read that obviously with the pandemic, a lot of people have been, you know, looking after themselves and doing self-care yes. and skincare, hair care, beauty products have right. all skyrocketed in sales because that's what you can do at home in a lockdown when you're looking well, after your body. Yeah, yeah. Thing, but even right? in the recession, if you think about the recession in 2008, mm-hmm. every industry took a hit except for the health and beauty industry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, because so, we're going to take care of ourselves. Exactly. And that's exactly, I mean, once you start doing it yourself, like once you learn how to do like that deep condition or whatever it is at home, then you're like, okay, wait, why have I been spending X on this? <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. if I can do it myself and, you know, it's a good way for people who need to cut back right now or need to to save money, you know, you're kind of helping them. And it's not them. even... Some of my clients even said, like, even they, they were like, well, it's not that I really want to do it myself. I just want to feel good. Yeah. And if I can't get into where I need to go, at least give me the tools to help me feel good about myself, yeah. the way I look, until I can get back to my routine. Because once once the um, the orders lifted and we were able to, you know, start seeing clients again, oh, trust me, we were we were super busy. Yeah. <laughs> we were super busy. Yeah. That's so, so good. I love yeah. how you diversified as well. Like you've diverse, like you're the one of your passions, the beauty industry, like you figured out how to have businesses that you really love and are passionate about in mm-hmm. every aspect of that industry. Right. So that's really how you have stability. The full right? vertical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can definitely say I'm enjoying it. I am definitely <laughs> enjoying it. Um, I think I enjoy it a little bit too much because when my son first started, people would ask him like, oh, your mommy's at work. And he's like, yeah, she goes to work and plays with paint and scissors because that's what I would tell him that I did <laughs> as, a, as a hairstylist. It's like you go to I go to work and play with paint and scissors, too. But, you know, so it's it's definitely I'm still having fun. I'm not going to deny that it can't be emotionally exhausting sometimes because it can be um, because my brain doesn't truly shut down, but I wouldn't trade it right. I wouldn't trade it for anything. So Mm -hmm. what is, you've given us so much advice. We always like to end (laughs) on a piece of advice that someone can take away. But, you know, I think honestly, the the best that people who just want to change their lives, like someone who is, you know, I'm, I'm 36, I'm turning 37 next year, but you know, this is kind of the age where people are like, well, I guess it's, it's too late to go back and do that. Or I guess here, this is where Mm -hmm. I am now. I mean, what would you say to those people? 
So I, I tell people this, and then and it's so important to understand that when you get ready to start is the time that you're supposed to start. Mm. Your past is only a chapter in your book. It is not the end of your story. Only you can end that. Mm. So if you decide at, you know, I mean, I've, I've read so many stories of people going back to school at 70 and getting their master's degrees and, and building businesses. We are our hindrance. So mm. don't let your mind tell you that you can't do it. If it's something you want to do, go for it. Just take the necessary steps to do the work to prepare yourself for the next journey. That's beautiful. Tanya, this has been so inspiring. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank I, you. I, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> I just want to hang out with you every day. Like, <laughs> talk yeah, to you. Yeah, like, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. what can I do next? Yes. <laughs> so good. And you know, so it's interesting because when I started this, um, when, I, when I started my um, coaching business, I never thought that I would have clients. Like, I just thought it was going to be like my, beauties, my beauty clients, the ones who wanted to start a salon and all that. But when I started getting clients that were in corporate America or in South Africa or Paraguay or Canada, it just made me realize that we're all striving for the same thing. Yes. At the end of the day, we want to end our life with being happy. Yes. And so we got to figure out how to get there and we have to figure out how to get out of our own way. And I think that's a lot of the hindrance, hindrances that, that happen is that one, we stay in our way because we feel like, oh, it's too late or it's never, it's never, ever too late. Mm-hmm. Never. At least in my mind. I agree. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll say that. <laughs> Wise words. I second that. <laughs> yes. There we go. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we will stay in touch, I'm sure. And um, if people want to find your products, how do they find them online? So my product line is found at www.strands, and that's Strands with the Z, S-T-R-A-N-D-Z, unlimited.com. Beautiful. And for my coaching services, it's www.tanyafairly.com. Beautiful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Tanya. We'll talk soon, okay? It's been so good. Thank you, ladies. Have a great rest of your, what is it? It's Monday where you are, right? It's it's Monday morning, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And you have a beautiful Sunday evening. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much. I'll chat soon. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by invoice to go We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. And we're helping close the gender-based pay gap because the current US gender-based pay gap sits at around 19%. Listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast will get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just use the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.